This is Film Stop. Welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Film Stop. Thanks for listening once again. This is episode 26. And as always, I'm here with Patrick Kelly. Hello. And we have a returning guest and regular Film Stop contributor, Roxy Menendez, Miss Film Stop herself. Hi. And uh, today we're talking about a movie that we all came to. I guess it's Roxy's Choice. Uh, yeah, it's Roxy's Choice. <laughs> uh, Silver Linings Playbook from 2012. Starley Bradley Cooper, Jennifer Lawrence, directed by David O. Russell. Um, before we begin the conversation today, um, I wanted to make a note that um, that May is Mental Health Awareness Month. We've been covering movies adjacent or centered on politics, and even though this movie isn't necessarily political in nature, access to help for mental health has become, unfortunately, something that is overtly political. So as we go through this conversation, we'll be addressing some of these issues, and we'll do our best to talk about it in a respectful and thoughtful way. That being said... It must also be acknowledged that David O'Russell is a proven asshole, <laughs> and he's being known. He's uh, he's been known for being loud, aggressive, and abusive on his set. He's said to have been in a fist fight with George Clooney after Clooney stood up for crew members. To have made Amy Adams cry every day on the set of American Hustle, and most notably, there's a well-documented video of him on YouTube yelling at Lily Tomlin on the set of I Heart Huckabees. We are aware of this, um, but we can move on and talk about this movie. Because it's a very interesting movie and important uh, certain ways. Um, before we dive into the movie, or dive into the movie proper, I wanted to talk about the cast because I think the cast is like really good, stand out in this movie. Yeah, all do very good things. Jennifer Lawrence won an Oscar for this for Best Actress. Um, yeah, she's really good in this. Uh, I love that this movie has really well defined characters. They're all sort of defined by their eccentricities, which makes it a lot for the actors to kind of chew into. It's just like a really character-heavy movie. And I think the character building of this movie is kind of the strong suit of this movie. Rewatching it, I think, like, I, I was discussing this with Roxy earlier. I don't think, like, it's really written the best, but the characters are, like, performed really well. And to me, it feels like a play in that sense where... A lot of the story comes through in characters, their eccentricities, yeah. um, their history and stuff like that. Um, yeah, great acting. Like yeah. Bradley Cooper, um, I was, yeah, this was the year that Daniel Day-Lewis won for Lincoln. Oh, okay. Uh, so I was like, I th- I'm pretty sure he was nominated, but, you know. You can't Bradley be. Cooper will get his time. Like, yeah. I feel like he's coming into his yeah. own, like, now. Right. He's one of my favorite actors now. At this time, I don't think it was so easy to see, so... At this time, in 2012, Bradley Cooper is in the midst of his very successful run of Hangover movies. I think three right. comes out the year after this, uh, which not only turned, like, it signals a turn in his career, but in movies in general. And people got to kind of change his idea, or their idea of him, right? Yeah, most definitely. He's, he's like a silly bro comedy, and this is a more serious role. Yeah. And with more serious things. Right it before is this. More of a comedy, but, you know, it yeah. is a comedy, but it's... Uh, uh, dealing with a serious subject matter. Yeah, very serious. I, Roxy matter. and I also had a chat about like what kind of movie this is, like what yeah. like genre of movie yeah, this is. Yeah, what genre does it fit into? Yeah. Well, we're <laughs> going to talk about that later. Should we talk about it now? We can talk about it now if you want. Well, no, <laughs> I mean we have this whole thing we're going to talk about, and we're just totally went up somewhere else. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about the rest of the cast before we get that. So. As I was saying about Bradley Cooper, this movie kind of signals a change in his career, a change in movies in general. Like, this is signaling a lot of things. Some critics, some people talk about movies, and they say, like, comedic movies are dead, and that The Hangover was, like, the last big comedic mm. run of movies that, like, yeah. were really su- successful and played well. Personally, I don't like those movies, like, very much at all, but I think it's, like, a big indicator of, like, where movies are headed after this, and... And maybe for a lot of reasons, people may be, say it's because of woke culture, stuff like that. Like people are afraid of getting canceled and stuff like that. Um, could be for many reasons. It, it can be argued in many ways, but this is definitely a turn for both Bradley Cooper and movies. And I think that he's kind of at the center of that now because he's coming to his own now. Like in the last 10 years, he had American Hustle, American Sniper, A Star is Born, which he directed, Licorice Pizza and Nightmare Alley. And those last two are like both excellent parts and they happened in the last year. So he's relevant now today. So... Like I said, Bradley Cooper's time like is coming. He's a really good actor. I fucking love him. Um, Jennifer Lawrence, at this time in 2012, only did Winter's Bone and Hunger Games. At this point, she's 22 years old in this movie. That's uh, wild. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And she is famously a self-taught actor, and she's just like so compelling. 
the skills are it's crazy it's incredible robert de niro in this movie my note says robert de niro is finally doing something here i know he was so he was so amazing in this and, and he hadn't done uh, yeah you know he was like in meet the fuckers yeah meet the parents and a lot of movies that are he that are not really like taking advantage of his skills and yeah. not really. And I don't know what he's doing. Is he kind of just collecting a paycheck in these kinds of movies? If or? you've been following De Niro through his career, yeah, <clears throat> he pretty much stops giving a shit after Casino. Mm. Like after Casino, <laughs> he just plays himself <laughs> yeah. constantly, which I love. I mean, he can be he can be on screen, and that's cool. But I feel like here he shows like some like a form of vulnerability that I don't, we don't normally see. Mm -hmm. And I think my favorite, like I was reading Reddit reviews because I want, I wanted to read (laughs) reviews from somewhere else. And this one was just like, Oh, what you said was like, Oh, De Niro actually acting in this one. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's, I think it's that he's eccentric. Um, and he's, he's not in on the joke on this one. Like he is in like, um, Meet the or meet the parent and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously different kind of movie entirely, but um, he's playing like the same kind of eccentric, but just he's very in on the joke. You know, he's getting a good laugh out of this. Um, this one, he's really like revealing something about what it means to like uh, be like the kind of person that he's known to be to to be like throughout his right. career. Right. Um, which I think is is kind of like how this movie is constructed as far as casting, as far as like the two new actors and uh, casting them against De Niro and a cast of older actors. Um, the supporting cast is really great. John Ortiz is my favorite in this. He plays Ronnie. Mm, yeah, great character. Yeah, he's really good. Wait, but shout out to Julia Stiles for being like the best obnoxious wife ever. <laughs> popping her freaking head out. He's like, did you ask him already? <laughs> like, I need Get you in now. here. I yeah. need you. Yeah. It must be super um, fun to like play uptight that way. Yeah. <laughs> and come on, Chris Tucker. Oh, the yeah. We haven't, yeah. Seen, we haven't seen Chris Tucker in years. <laughs> <laughs> and in a great role. Jerry he's really Curl. good. Yeah. I like the introduction when they're sitting in the circle and he's like he's already talking, talking about, like, about his mind. Head a little too high on this side and not high enough on this side. <laughs> turns out and to then be like his whole character. Yeah, that's his whole character. Like he's got this like hang up on his hair. Yeah, it's like he uh, re-explains it to um, Bradley Cooper's mom in the car. Right? Yeah, he's like, you remember? I, I had a Jerry or my brother, my brother had a Jerry curl. I couldn't grow a Jerry curl. <laughs> yeah, which is like a, with his hair. That's actually a, is, is is American Hustle. It's before, Not yet. It's after. I think it's, it's after, after this. I think yeah. it like came out a few years after. So he kind of David O. Russell uses that same theme of like caring about your hair because Bradley Cooper's hair, our character in American Hustle, is like really into his hair, and he yeah. has a Jerry curl in yeah. American Hustle. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it's really funny. Um, but just going over the context, like the one thing that is certain is that the world was like a drastically different place ten years ago, mm-hmm. um, and that's something like really specific to our time is that things have changed like so exponentially chart changed so exponentially over the last 10 years. Uh, we talked about this over and over again, the exchange of information it's just heightened. Things are changing in 2012. Big news was Obama was reelected. He was the first president to openly support gay marriage, which is like both like go him and while astounding, like the first time was in 2012, uh, Disney buys, uh, uh Lucas films for $4 billion, which is, wow. I mean, that was the big news then. I mean, we're we are filling that now, <laughs> being saturated by Star Wars content for sure. Um, and then Neil Armstrong dies, first man on the moon at eighty-two. So it's a historically innocuous time. And I have this thought or this theory that when there isn't a lot going on on the outside, like there is today, you know, politically, how it's just like a really tumultuous period, or just emotionally, like. Especially after COVID, it just feels like a a spiritual crisis in a sense. Um, But it's like very outside in, Mm. like all this stuff, like trying to get into your mind, things like vying for your time, like brain space, you know, just feels very noisy. So when like not a lot is happening like that, I think people tend to go like inward. And it's around this time. Oh, I bring this up because around this time, I feel like like mental health, like talking about it and acknowledging it and understanding how it works and how it's affecting people, generational trauma, like all this language is being developed around this time, like mm-hmm. two, early 2000s going into two, 2010s. This is when things start to change because if you watch movies from the early 2000s, still a lot of problematic stuff, the glorification of mental health issues, even suicide is still kind of looked at as like a romantic thing. 
So even like at this time, we're getting language on social media, people talking about boundaries and trauma and, you know, it's okay to go to therapy now, which is like might've been taboo at some point. So I think this movie is a great indicator about how culture was changing at this because we weren't seeing very many movies of this type. Yeah. Like you might be able to pluck this movie out of the timeline and point to it as a transition that like you're saying is a language is a bit more problematic pr- prior to this and yeah. it's improving since then. N- yeah. Not that I'm implying that it's causal in any way, but this yeah. is like, you can um, look at this as an example of things changing over time. Yeah. Right. I mean, cause I think movies indicate and tell us like things that are going on in culture. Mm-hmm. I mean that, that's, I mean, it's not their job, but that's how they serve. Like that's how they right, serve us in right. certain ways. Yeah. Yeah, even now, as I was preparing for this, I was like, I researched, like, what language to use, and I feel like language is extremely important. You want to be respectful to people and to, you know, discuss things in just the most respectful manner, and well, at least, you know, doing your best, and so I feel like that should be part of the research. So when learning about, well, just kind of reading um, when discussing somebody that would be having a mental illness or, um, Pat who has bipolar disorder, you want to just focus on the person and emphasize on the person and not on their illness. Yeah. So that would be the first thing. And then since we specifically don't ever really know what's going on with somebody, it's always best to say that, you know, the person has a mental health condition or they're being treated for whatever the symptoms that they're having. Um, because a lot of people don't have a formal diagnosis Mm -hmm, or they don't have a full blown, like or full fledged illness. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of just best to leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah, and the the impression I got rewatching this movie was the stigma of mental health is, disorders, and this this movie is about that in a lot of ways. Like for example, like once you know Bradley Cooper's character uh, Patrick has the diagnosis of, and you know he's got the criminal record associated with that. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes to court ordered therapy and. Um, one of the example, I, I guess, uh, just a real quick, we don't have to get into scenes, but like a scene that, we can. um, that reminded me of this is when he's at the football game, everyone's acting wild at the football game, but if he acts like everybody else is acting mm-hmm. at the football mm-hmm. game, he's yeah. going to be the one that goes to jail. Right. Yeah. So, um, like that, like I, th- it recurs in this movie that the, the stigma of the mental, yeah. that le- the language, the label, of that diagnosis is a huge stigma. Um, And, you know, it doesn't, you know, necessarily have to be, but like more awareness of the men of mental health issues would hopefully reduce that. I think too, when we're learning about Patrick though, and what his, his psychologist or his, yeah, his psychologist would say, you know, all it takes is kind of one incident. Right. right? Mm -hmm. And kind of just looking at, the relationship he has with, with his condition. Right. And I think something that really stood out for me watching the movie is when they're in their session after he was triggered by, you know, um, he talks about, um, how, you know, he's all the symptoms that he was having and that he's been having for his pretty much his entire life. Mm -hmm. And he, finally got diagnosed and saying that he's been white knuckling his his whole life. I thought barely hanging on. Yeah. And I really thought like, well, how many of us go through life, you know, not, you know, basically thinking our struggles is just normal, right? That's just something we're used to not realizing that it could probably get better or we can, as he say, he says like get a strategy. Yeah. Um, and that's Ronnie's character. Ronnie <laughs> is freaking white knuckling. You know? yeah. and He's think, on the edge. Yeah. And, and He's the guy that's going to freaking snap. Yeah. And that's what I like about it. It's just like, and you know, his parents or even the wife, you know, just thinking about like how we just go on our, what you would consider normal. Right. Mm-hmm. But certain things as you said, get stigmatized if you have a diagnosis or something, but it's just, you know, it's normalizing certain types of behaviors as like, 
hey, we all go through difficult emotions and mm-hmm. some of us have a harder time, you know, navigating through that. Yeah. And instead of, you know, stigmatizing them, we can normalize supporting each other and having healthier relationships. But that's just like a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. A lot of it is about perspective. I think that you could see that from the beginning when Pat's mom goes and gets him out of the place. She says to him, like, no, you've been here long enough. Yeah. yeah. Like, just because of her perspective and the way it looks and the stigma right. around it, like, no. That shows you she already doesn't want, immediately like, yeah. that yeah. she's not. She's not interested. She doesn't in care doctor, about yeah. mental health. She's wellness. not listening to the doctor. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. doctor tells her, hey, he's just getting to, used to the routine here. Yeah. Like, this I is don't want him to. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 He wants no part of it. And now we know also that's probably one of the reasons why Patrick doesn't take the medication is he, he says it when he's with, um, what's his name? Cliff, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That he's, or is it with, was it with Tiffany that he's embarrassed Mm -hmm. that he's Mm -hmm. medicated. So it's almost like a a form of weakness that he has to be medicated. So it's not really that he's seeing that as just part of his wellness and Mm -hmm. well being. It's that, Oh shit, that like, that looks bad on me or maybe my family too. Right. Mm -hmm. And as you, as we get further into this movie, you understand like each character in this movie is, has probably like, some undiagnosed, like <laughs> yeah. something, you know, like as you go through it, like it's hard to say what, but you understand that the way Pat has developed and like his insecurities and stuff like that has direct relation to the way his parents treat him. Oh my yeah. gosh. I like, noticed that too. You know, these two characters, um, uh, Patrick and Tiffany, the spotlight is on them mm-hmm, right, as these mm-hmm. two people that have, you know, like a, a mental health um, issue. Um, but the more you observe the characters surrounding uh-huh, these two people, exactly. it's like they're all kind of, they've all kind of got these like neuroses and, and mm-hmm. um, psychopathologies. Yeah. And I, like, <laughs> like even the, even the therapist, you know, like the therapist <laughs> is, uh, you know, like when he goes to the football game, um, he's got, I mean, it, not that this is like everybody goes to a sports event, <laughs> but um Goes to the football game, becomes a rabid fan just like everybody else. Yeah. Um, also, though, there's a scene with uh, the doctor where he kind of manipulates Pat. If you notice that, where he tells her, t- he tells uh, he tells Pat to hang, out to, with beca- to hang out with Tiffany. Yeah. So that it improves his chances. Yeah. Watching like, that today, to, like, I was like, I don't know, I don't know about that. Yeah. I mean, it's played for yeah, it's played for drama, but I'm just like, I don't know about that one, man. But yeah, it is all a matter of perspective. The one thing I like about it is that it's written to Chris Tucker's character. Like he keeps mm. on trying to escape or like get out of this place early. <laughs> yeah, and he Danny. Al- yeah, Danny. And he always has an excuse. <laughs> and like, he, like in his mind, like he's ready, he's ready to go. And um, he keeps on making like some arbitrary reason. Like, yeah. oh, it's because of this and I'm out now. It's because right. of this and I'm not now. And he does it twice and he finally gets out. And he reveals to us that it's because whoever was handling his case had been disbarred to like, Right. Turns out yeah, yeah. whatever reason he was being kept in there happened to be just as arbitrary as the reason he was yeah. trying to get himself out, oh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so it's all like a matter of perspective. Like these things, yeah. uh, these filters and ideas and taboos that we lay on top of people. Yeah. Um, because you see everyone acting like crazy. And I love Bradley Cooper, his comments about like people's behavior. And a lot of it like happens in like quips or like off screen. Like when Robert, De- when they're all watching the football game and Robert De Niro is like handling the handkerchief. <laughs> he's called him OCD. <laughs> yeah. Right. He's like, that's not normal. When he's again, yeah, when he's explaining it to him and like Bradley Cooper, Bradley Cooper's not even on screen, but you see him saying like, man, I don't know about that. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great because like he, he, you know, very clearly like has no filter, you know, like he's, yeah. you know, that's crazy. That's yeah. wrong. And that's, that would be considered yeah, like socially awkward right. and like inappropriate <clears throat> to like say something. But the whole family seems to be like used to it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you notice watching it, like when they have interactions about something, like how it just See, it feels like it's escalating very mm-hmm. quickly. So, mm-hmm. like, initially when Patrick comes home and they're just like, oh, well, 
who said that? Did the doctor say that? Or did the court, like the yeah. mom's just trying to ease him. Like, no, it's okay. It's okay. And he's just like, wait, wait. like it just, I just feel like this, te- like it, it's tense because it's yeah. like escalating. And I feel that like on several interactions, like when they're discussing on taking, like, I don't know if he's trying to call Nikki, but they're like fighting over the phone oh, yeah. and nothing's like really happening, but you just feel like it's so tense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the tension that yeah, scene is amazing. They just yeah. like, es- it just escalates so quickly. Mm-hmm. And and, you know, Patrick, you know, says, like, I'm not the explosion guy. It's my dad. Yeah. And you just see how they react to each other. And that's just kind of the interactions that they've been having. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm probably his whole life. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of the attention is credited to the fact that the family just functions a lot around line to each other. And just like maybe families in general, I think we talked about this during our big fat creek wedding about like the lies that like family tells each other just to function. And it starts like pretty immediately when she gets home and she tells him like, oh no, he's supposed to be out. The court said it was okay. Take him out. Like not exactly a lie, but she's not telling him everything. And and then if it's followed quickly by like Bradley Cooper saying like, oh, you're, you're a bookie now. (laughs) Yeah. It makes me wonder if that element of his personality, the fact that he has no filter will just tell you the blunt truth right to your face is um, a, fun- a, a function of that, like a nurture element of that, that like, mm-hmm. because the parents are kind of so deceptive and manipulative <laughs> that he's mm-hmm. just like well, cuts right through it and just like tells you right straight to your face. Yeah. Well, initially like the mom pulls him out, right? Or pulls him out early, eight months, mm-hmm. that's enough time. And they go in the car and the first thing they do is they get caught in a lie for taking out Danny and he kind of pulls the, swerves the car yeah. out and you're supposed to, I did feel like hmm. it was like tense yeah. and it's like, ah, like all this chaos, but, yeah. but she still takes him home anyway. Yeah. So it just shows like, well, this isn't going to be a good start. Like yeah. what's this going to come out to be, you know? So I feel like that shows you what the rest of the movie is going to be. Yeah. Her dynamic is yeah and like enabling yeah and she's in denial you know like i'm i'm t- i'm making crabby cakes and homemade right, right. Well, <laughs> everything's gonna be great it's just distractions do you know what a homemade is i don't know i don't <laughs> no. and a or what is it the crabby, crabby cakes. cakes or crabby treats or something yeah crabby, crabby sacks or something yeah, yeah. and crabby homemade and, and homemade <laughs> so they made up all these food yeah. no no we should we should google it yeah <laughs> but i love that homemade yeah. like, she's what? like don't worry like making snacks <laughs> With the well touch- it makes me wonder that it was uh possibly like a gambling thing where it's like if you're if the eagles are playing on sunday we got to have crabby snacks and homemade yeah and she's just kind of <laughs> bought into this you know. well they're very ritualistic right. i mean yeah, yeah. that's why he's like i love sundays you know what's going down on sundays <laughs> right the first thing mm-hmm. we get when we meet de niro is he's fighting with his gambling buddy over like which football team is more american yeah. like <laughs> It's just like they paint the picture of this family like the first 15 minutes, which right. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of scenes with emotional punch in this one, but one of them uh, is when Robert De Niro's character goes to uh, Patrick and like tells him, like tries to persuade him to stay home to watch the Eagles. What we need to do is we just need to spend the morning together talking about the Eagles, reading about the Eagles, and he's actually like holding back tears. Yeah, like it's a disappointment for him to leave. And it's like rough to watch. I was like, oh my God. So I feel like, and I brought this up to Caesar, I wanted to talk about like, families or like just relationships of codependency mm-hmm. and it's funny because he he i was talking about relationship wise mm-hmm. and then he brought up the dad and i was like bam those <laughs> things connect <laughs> and and i guess you know initially was the conversation about excelsior and and what we all thought it meant mm-hmm. and yeah, what do you guys think uh, excelsior means so like for me I kind of connected Excelsior and wanting to talk about his ex-wife, Nikki, because I thought Excelsior, just like, you know, a lot of people, um, they want to believe in something like outside of themselves, something bigger, especially when, you know, they're going through something very difficult. And Excelsior is like the affirmation of hope and positivity and then obviously finding a silver lining in situations, which is great. Um, and, but then I kind of connected it to how, so Patrick is connecting Excelsior to be that thing. And, but then he's also like just obsessed with like, oh, I need to reconnect with my ex-wife Nikki Mm. or wife Nikki. I don't know if they're 
legally separated or anything, but, and then thinking about how like people sometimes put their faith and put place all their faith on like a person on another person Mm -hmm. and some, and in this case, Nikki, and she's not even present in Mm -hmm. the movie and not until like the very end. And he believes that, you know, he's doing this for her. He constantly talks about her like, Oh, I'm, this is an example of what I'm going to do. And thinking that if he gets better or he changes enough, like, he, that relationship's going to save him, right? Mm-hmm. which, you know, makes me, you know, uneasy to hear that. Not because he just got out of the hospital, but uneasy because I'm like, that seems like a natural response. Like, I feel like a lot of people do that. Yeah. Like, oh, I'll just rely on somebody else to help me fix my problems. Yeah. And I think one of the, you know, underlying themes that this movies exploring is the the blurry distinction between like a constructive optimism yeah. like a goal that you're aspiring yeah. to mm. and a destructive uh delusion mm-hmm. you know like yes, it, it's something delusion. that you're going after that's just not going to happen you know it's not realistic or yeah. it's not even maybe it's not even good for you you know that you're going after it but um excelsior to me is that like um i i agree and I think there's a little subterfuge though. Actually, I was I looked up like it's Latin for all ever upward. Yeah. Oh, and so like okay. the, just the rising, 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 like a manic episode. He was Patrick has mm-hmm. yeah. episode. Yeah, and like he gets into these, um, you know, you know, manias where he's just like. I need you to take me to the library. Yeah. I need, I need yeah. to read. I just on the rise. The whole yeah. syllabus. You know? yeah. yeah. He's just going up, 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 up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. He has like convulsive behaviors. Too. Yeah. Compulsive. Yeah. I'm sorry. Compulsive. Yeah. Um, but uh, to add on to that ever upward, that, that interpretation of it, I think the movie is also about how, I mean, a mental illness can also just be in a form of like coping, like a mechanism to cope mm-hmm. and how what we do what we can or need to do in certain cases to just get through life. You know, yeah. like a big part of this, a big part of this is that, uh, this movie is that like life is hard. You know, they yeah. say, they've said in the movie a couple times and like, as he's reading his uh, wife's syllabus, a lot of the novels that he's talking about are like, the Farewell to Arms, Lord of the Flies, uh, to a lesser extent, uh, Grapes of Wrath, all cynical novels that have been like held in high regard over time and and kind of like uh, regarded as uh, as masterpieces and like really true art that speaks truth to life. Right. And if they're speaking truth to life, then like life is like and not life is hard. Yeah, life yeah, is yeah. Terrible. Like it's not or great. Painful. Yeah, exactly. So like to get through it we're going to need to cope, you know? And like, sometimes we acknowledge things and then you put a stigma on it and then like you're defined as mentally ill. Um, or you just, you know, people, you let it play like everyone else in this movie. And like, you have all these quirks are like, we were talking about in our last episode, Bullworth, we're talking about, we're talking about politicking and how populist politicking, uh, I re, I like, uh, made the analogy of it being like really a lot like sports and like cheering for your team. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think this movie like compares, sports fandom to like this like mass hysteria or this like a mass thing that everyone just participates in and like, like it's a little crazy and it's a, or you know whatever you want yeah. to call it it's a little <laughs> yeah it's just a strange thing that everyone agrees like it's okay like we don't know who these people are right but it's okay um there's this comedian on twitter who was saying like um she was talking about her boyfriend and how he really likes sports and she's like how come, like, if I talk about one guy, my boyfriend gets really jealous, but if I watch sports and talk about, like, 20 guys all at once, he's, like, really happy about it. <laughs> yeah. Because there's 20 guys that he likes. Yeah. <laughs> how come I can watch an Eagles game and say Deshaun Jackson is the man, yeah. and he's, he's, he agrees with me? <laughs> so it's, like, these agreed-upon, socially acceptable things, um, and I think that's what, like, this uh, Excelsior... Uh, expression is it's just like we all need do what we need to do and you know to keep on moving on and i think maybe the point the movie is trying to 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 address is that like we just need to be more open about talking about it Mm. because really bradley cooper as insufferable as he is at some points in this movie he's really the only person like addressing his issues even though he's having like a very hard time like getting through it you know what i mean while him and jennifer lawrence jennifer lawrence is also addressing her own issues um but they, they're also like the prize of the movie. Like nobody, you know, everyone thinks that they're just like, it's a sticky situation. They want to keep their hands <laughs> off of it, you know? 
I think that's so also why, because it has a happy ending, is why we were discussing yeah. why we thought it was a rom-com. Yeah. It's drama really going into the depth of, you know, yeah. character building. Yeah. Also, the ending, it literally, they're dancing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. It, it kind of goes into this realm of romantic comedy for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's this version of genre. Like, this movie does play like a rom-com. She pointed that out to me. I was like, yeah, I would. I think that I accept this movie as like a popcorn entertainment movie and not like an art movie, you know? Yeah. David O. Russell was trying to do art movies for a while, like Three Kings and I Heart Huckabees. Yeah. Very quirky. We've talked about like that, that. That, that sickness of like doing overly twee arty movies oh, in the yeah. early 2000s. <laughs> yeah. He was kind of yeah. like falling into that category mm-hmm. and he just like turned away from that and started doing like these mass appealing, but I, I would say like entertaining, not like quite popcorn movies, but I think there's just the like characters. It's the characters. It is characters. American Hustle is all the characters. Yeah, yeah but it, it's, it's, what story yeah. is it telling? Yeah, it's the yeah, it's definitely not like trying too hard to be like, to be deep you know what I mean like a lot of it is on the nose I was talking about the exposition dip in the beginning with this therapist like I think this one is specific though because this one was inspired by his son yeah who who is you know who does have bipolar disorder so this was inspired by him so I think that might be Mm -hmm. why it's more in this type of style where he's telling a story which we were talking about how it kind of goes into like why does he just go over all the things during the the session of his with his therapist or mm-hmm. psychologist yeah and i think i think he wanted to also maybe be more informative because yeah. i feel like they do talk about it with diagnosis medication i mean they're specific yeah, yeah. and those are speaking to his own experiences so mm-hmm. why not share his you know the experiences he has and yeah he making definitely a film for it had a uh, personal angle in, right. in making this movie and um he i i heard an interview of his that uh, Robert De Niro actually has somebody close in his family um, with like similar issues. That, mm-hmm. um, that might be part of the reason why Robert De Niro like was so amazing in this yeah. one is that he yeah. had a personal angle to it as well. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, David O. Russell's son is in this movie. He's the kid who wants to do the uh, filming. The filming. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. He rings the doorbell. And That's like, funny. I'm doing an article for the school oh paper on mental health. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I just really love that he explores being alive, just like mm. the pains mm-hmm. and the joys. Yeah. And, you know, uh, when we were talking about. Well, you brought up being delusional and that's like the word that I had in my mind that I didn't say. And I felt like his idea of Nikki is, is totally a delusion. Right. Mm -hmm. And I felt kind of cynical about it with, in thinking about it as love could be like a socially acceptable way of being delusional. Like you're doing it out of love or like, I'm, you know, I'm codependent because I love this person. You know, I feel like that tends to be something that's hard to form boundaries around when you discuss it with like a relationship, either in partnerships or parents or siblings. It's, you know, codependency is kind of like, there's, there shouldn't be gray area, but there is gray area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we talk about Tiffany, I feel like there's no delusion because she's just like in your face. She's <laughs> yeah. blunt. She's mm-hmm. honest about who she is. She's like socially awkward, but she doesn't give a fuck. Like she's right. just like, mm-hmm. I'm done. Let's go. Like, yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, Patrick and Tiffany are very similar in that way, but they, what, like makes the conflict there. There's a little bit of conflict in their relationship. Well, is is he really does not want the stigma of? She's those trying to hold him to that standard. Yeah, and he's just like, I'm, right. I'm he's not on the same to, level as you. Right. He's trying to like, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like so, he's trying to take the straight and narrow so he can get Nikki back, and, <laughs> right? Which is a delusion, right? Like, and she's like confronting him with this, right? Right. And then so we wanted to talk about the. Clip where the where Jennifer Lawrence is chasing him when, yeah. and went on his runs yeah. with his plastic bags, mm. which I used to do by the way when I was in high school. <laughs> I wanted to lose weight. I wear a bag when I work out. <laughs> um, that was a trick my uh, uh, some friends in in school used to do. It would I work. had some friends on the wrestling team who would need to shed like twenty pounds before a meet. Where yeah. they would really shed that much weight. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah I mean, they would wear trash bags and they would like. 
just spit constantly. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, you're basically just shedding water. Water weight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, as long as you keep sweating, then you're just keeping it off. <laughs> so in the running clip, he's going, she's going after him and he, she just like won't let up. And he's, she's just like, why are you giving me such a hard time? Yeah. Hey, what the fuck? I'm married! So am I! What the fuck are you doing? Your husband's dead! Where's your wife? You're crazy! I'm not the one that just got out of that hospital in Baltimore. I'm not the big slut! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was a big slut, but I'm not anymore. There's always gonna be a part of me that's sloppy and dirty, but I like that with all the other parts of myself. Can you say the same about yourself, fucker? Can you forgive? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, at least, you know, I didn't come out of, you know, the men uh, from Baltimore is what she says. Mm -hmm. And he's basically says something like, well, at least I'm not a slut. Yeah. yeah. And she just like pauses. And I think one of the things that are really powerful to me is when she's just like, I accept that part of myself. Like, mm -hmm. can you, can you forgive fucker? Like, can you do that? Yeah. And it's just like one of those things that just like. Yeah, I don't know. Like, that's a hard thing that I think I ask myself all the time. Do you, like, forgive yourself for your past? Like, yeah. your mis your past mistakes? And are you kind to yourself? Like, I wish I was, like, able to be that bold to be, like, yeah, that's that's what I did. Yeah. And I'm fine with it. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, I don't think yeah. we know. I don't think, like, often we don't notice how hard we are on, on ourselves, right? Like, and we're not. We're hard on ourselves in a way that we wouldn't be hard on somebody right. that we like cared about. You That's know? what I tell myself. Like yeah. you wouldn't do this to somebody else. Like yeah. why yeah. are you telling yourself these things? <laughs> 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 Oddly, that's like the dynamic of a relationship, though. Like the the closer somebody is to you, or the closer you are to a person, the more free you feel mm. to be cruel. To be cruel in a way, <laughs> and like like you would to yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you're that's, like the closest to yourself, right. so of course you're going to be the cruelest on yourself. That's the ultimate intimacy <laughs> yeah. is with yourself, and yeah. we treat ourselves like shit. So. <laughs> yeah. um, the clever construction of her chasing him. And I, I just noticed this watching it this time around is that like she has like a little more information about him than like oh, is normal. You know what I mean? They've been chatting about him. Exactly. <laughs> and the mom, they reveal that later in the movie, which I didn't catch the first time. But Robert De Niro is talking to the mom and he's like, oh, like, why can't I lie? Like, well, you you lied to him about she had been chatting with Tiffany about oh, really? where where he runs. He, he's like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like a really it's a really quick line where he's like, oh, like you told Tiffany like where he's been running and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the mom had been slipping Aww. her all this information, and so Tiffany has more information than she really should, and he never questions it because he's like so self-involved. Like, yeah, like yeah, like how did she how did she know he came from Baltimore or whatever? Like, right. yeah. As the movie was playing this time around, I was kind of looking for like why does she know like so much about him? You know what yeah, I mean? Like she right. she shouldn't seem to be that like close to the family, but that was like happening behind his back. <laughs> Because I think the mom assumed like being or like hanging out with this girl would be like good for him or something, right. you know. Well, somebody to relate to because they put him together, right? Which yeah. goes into the the dinner scene where they decide after the run that they're going to meet up for dinner or at the diner. Yeah, yeah, the diner. Was I some percentage not cool? No, she said you were cool, but you know. No, I don't know. Sort of how you are. It's fine. Relax. What do you mean? How am I? Sort of like me. Sort of like you? I hope to God she didn't tell Nikki that. Why? Because it, it's just not right lumping you and I together. It's, I mean, it's just wrong and Nikki wouldn't like that. Especially after all the shit you just told me. You think that I'm crazier than you. <laughs> because... Or different, I mean. Oh my god. Oh, you're killing me. You know what? Forget I offered to help you. And he orders raisin bran just <laughs> to make sure that he she knows that it's not a date. Right. <laughs> and so she's going on like saying about like why she was fired and they go over like their messy sexy stories and 
she kind of says like, oh, well, because you're kind of like me. And he just like pauses like, no, I'm not. Like, <laughs> whoa, whoa. Right. Like, he gets offended <laughs> to be categorized with her. And she's just like, oh, you're killing me. Like, right. you think that I'm crazier yeah. than you? Yeah. Because love... he's all into the description. He's like sweating. He's like, oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and were there women? <laughs> and, and yeah. And, she, and he, I mean, literally she opens up to him. And I mean, what she says, she storms out, mm-hmm. she throws everything, she yeah. flips him off, and you know, he goes after her, and yeah. she's like, You hypocrite! Like, yeah. I opened up to you, and you judged me. And I think that's just like, Yeah, he is an asshole. Like, mm-hmm. she was totally, you know, she's on this level where she's trying not to, she's trying to accept herself, and she opened up to him. And that's like the worst thing you could do is like, yeah. hey, like I opened up and you're you're gonna throw it in my face. Yeah. yeah. Like that's fucked yeah. up. So. It's that scene in particular that I think that played for me really well, especially the first time. Cause it's written so well that you come to the realization with her when you, you see like, you think I'm cra- like you're I'm crazier than you? Yeah. Like viewing that the on first time. Superior yeah. level of crazy. <laughs> you're higher up like, on the crazy. Yeah. yeah. It was a lot of fun putting that together the first time because yeah. like, you're like, wait, I know like I know what this guy's thinking. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, really love that scene. There yeah, was there was favorite. a little um, I don't know if this is an Easter egg or not, but uh, they they both compared themselves to people in their family mm-hmm. um, early on when Patrick was recounting the incident with his wife at mm-hmm. the very end, where he was like, uh, "Because I beat the crap out of this guy, I'm I'm crazy. I'm parallel to my father." He says that I'm parallel to my mm-hmm. father. He makes yeah. comparisons uh, to his to his father, and then Tiffany does the same. Uh, later in one of her confrontations with Patrick is um, that she's kind of fears that she's like her sister. Mm. So these characters like understand. That. What does she say? I, I don't remember the precise use of words. And I, I think she says parallel, you know, like something very similar to that. And, and which is, you know, just satisfying to me that like these two characters are mm. like, have the same, um, I guess like worry or in, um, well, they, re- you know, well, they recognize what they see in themselves yeah. and other people and they're, yeah, they recognize it in their family too. You yeah. know, the fact that they got, um, the diagnosis, but, um, you know, they're observing it among their family yeah. members too. Mm. And, and Patrick even says this, um, on one of the football game days where, uh, he says something like, Hey, you know, people like me and Danny, maybe, we know something that you guys yeah. don't, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know whether it comes from the actual mental health issue or the, um, on the alternative side is if everyone has like mental health issues that they're dealing with, mm-hmm. the fact that they've got the diagnosis and the stigma is the thing that gives them the experience to mm-hmm. know like something that they don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's a, uh, it's really interesting thing that's, that's, that's going on. And speaking about stigma, I think that's why this movie is so important, because as you're watching this, you're I think that you're seeing you're recognizing Mm -hmm. certain behaviors or even feelings or the way you process things on screen, maybe how you do it or somebody, Mm -hmm. you know. So generally, you know, you're seeing yourself on screen and other people, maybe people who do, who are diagnosed, see themselves on screen. So I think mm-hmm. that's like really important too. Yeah. I think there's a lot to be just in, in some of the quick dialogue or the things they say, like the recounting their own experience, even on like a, a, a more widely accessible level. One of my favorite scenes is when he's talking about his relationship with his wife to Tiffany for the first time and about like, how it was love when she asked him like, Oh, tell me about this love, you know? Oh yeah. And he goes on to describe his relationship. I feel like the way he describes his relationship with his wife is the way that like a lot of people would describe as normal in a relationship when he says like, yeah, of course we want to change each other. Like that's what people do, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like I feel that was like probably a really normal thing up until that. <laughs> like, like I said, how the, 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 maybe the conversation had been changing there. Like, when people start to look inward, you realize that that's not a normal thing. But I think like maybe in a generation previous, like maybe like, uh, you know, when our parents were like dating or something, that might've been like a more normal thing where it's just like, yeah, obviously I want to change you. Like, you know, it's only right that I would want you to be better or something. (laughs) So the way he describes his relationship with his wife, I think is really 
interesting and one of my favorite scenes because um, he says it so casually and and I think that would could be relatable to a lot of of people even if they don't have issues like like he has you know yeah how are you in love tell me about that the big Nikki love tell me about it I want to understand it we have a very unconventional chemistry it makes people feel awkward but not me all right she's the most beautiful woman I'd ever been with wow it's electric between us okay yeah we want to change each other but that's normal couples want to do that I wanted to stop dressing like she dresses, and I wanted her to stop acting so superior to me, okay? And she wanted me to lose weight and stop my mood swings, which both I've done. I mean, people fight. Couples fight, we would fight, we wouldn't talk for a couple weeks. That's normal. She always wanted the best for me. She wanted me to be passionate and compassionate. And that's a good thing, you know? I just, look, I'm my best self today, and I think she's her best self today, and our love's gonna be fucking amazing. And I think looking at, when you're looking at certain things, it's also, to what extent of it, right? When you're talking about relationships or um, we just want to change each other to the opposite would be Tiffany, who's just like open and accepting of him and because she understands him. And that's, that's the difference too, right? Mm -hmm. If somebody like his wife, well, she's not going to accept his behavior. She doesn't even understand them. They're totally estranged. They don't really have a relationship at all. Mm -hmm. So for him to think that, I think he's just trying maybe again to save that relationship because he thinks that's what he's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And not until he's ready to let go of that, is he able to open up to have a more open relationship, which would be with, with Tiffany yeah, who loves him and accepts him and actually stands by him, even though he's struggling because she understands those struggles. Yeah. The dancing is not like what I live for, for the movie. No. It's all the other stuff. Well, that's the thing. It's like, not, it's not, not good. <laughs> those outfits kill me by the way her, her outfit i'm like why did they pick those tight ass white leggings yeah or those you know those, yeah. which I, just weird. I think is really funny that this girl has like an entire studio and she's like not like really great at dancing you know I, mean? I don't know she's trying to be great at it i think she's it's she's using it's just it to like, feel she, good yeah 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 that, that's what i like it's not like the most important thing about the movie or like it's not supposed to be great they're perfectly flawed and i love that i yeah. think that's what it is it's finding the joy in things not to be perfect yeah, yeah but i'm wondering if <laughs> during, that, better during that scene, especially when they're practicing and chris tucker comes in like i'm wondering if bradley cooper is like is intentionally trying to make himself look goofy <laughs> like, like he's swinging <laughs> I, love, I love how he's like black it up he's like what does that mean he's like you know what it means <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. Yeah. Um, also, John Ortiz, uh, I think this is a scene that we all love when he first gets to oh. his house. <laughs> we just redid the whole thing. Ow! <laughs> Tremendous. Isn't it great? Tremendous. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm thinking of redoing it again. Why? <laughs> because we're going to upgrade. paper to do that. Yeah, we're doing all right, man. I can't complain. Isn't the market down, though? It is down, Bill. You know, but she wants more, so I'm giving her more, man. You know, my dad lost his pension. I'm sorry, man. A yeah. lot of people, man. My uncle, too. Really? Yeah, but you know what? No disrespect. It's not personal, but this is the time to strike. You start snapping up commercial real estate, cheap. Flip it over, you flip it over, and that's when you make the money. But the pressure, man, it's like... You okay? I'm not okay. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> Listen to me. I feel like I'm getting crushed. And everything, the family, the baby, the job, the fucking dicks at work. And it's like, you know, like I'm trying to do this, you know, and, 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 I'm, and then I'm like suffocating. Holy shit. You can't be happy all the time. Who told you you can't be happy? It's all right. You just do your best. You have no choice. That's not true at all. You just can't. Ronnie, Ronnie, Ronnie. Oh, yeah. Ronnie, Ronnie, Ronnie. <laughs> Metallica screaming Ronnie. No, that was the second time, but the first... so direct, the fact that he opens up to him just immediately. Immediately, yeah. He dumps it's, on him. Right, because he's like, hey, isn't the market down? Like, why are you, like, yeah. spending all this he's money? suffocating right. on all his yeah. work pressures and life pressures. But if you if you look at, the, like, the first interaction between him and Ronnie, Ronnie doesn't really have a filter either. When he yeah. talks about his wife, he's like, oh, 
do they still talk? And he's like, yeah, like he thinks nothing of it. Like that's not going to trigger yeah. him or anything or like right. put ideas in his head. You know, right. Ronnie is like so dismissive about that or like yeah. insensitive. So, you know, he's like very like kind I of love an unfil- that relationship. They're yeah. very honest with each other. Yeah. It's, it's really, like- <laughs> yeah, it's really great. Like just the way that's framed when he's yeah. talking to Ronnie in the front yard and his wife like appears above his head. Like in the window. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> the look on his face. Yeah, like, it he changes. Doesn't, like, he, he doesn't stop smiling necessarily, yeah. but his eyes change a little bit, and he's like, yeah. he just gets like incredibly tense. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know yet, but yeah, I think it's 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 the play between them, the way Bradley Cooper is playing off of him, um, as he's explaining like how he feels suffocated, and like Bradley Cooper's like, you that's can just not, see like, yeah, that's, that's not, not normal. Yeah, because he says he's like, yeah, because you know you don't have to be happy all the time. He's like, he's who told like, you that? Yeah, what? And then just see. And I love how they describe like the kind of pressure he's going through, especially with the house. Like yeah. they do the house tour for the stupidest things, yeah. which is like the iPod docks, right? Like. And the fireplace <laughs> in the, middle of the wall, and the fact that he just remodeled the room, yeah, room but, and he's thinking of doing it again. Well, you know why? You know? Yeah. <laughs> that corny uh, family portrait in the background. Yeah. <laughs> like, right, right. That's I delusion. That. <laughs> yeah, delusion. that's a really great scene um but i love the fact that he says like who told you that like who told mm-hmm. you that you like you just like you're not you're not supposed to be happy or something yeah. i think that goes hand in hand with like the way bradley cooper accepted the relationship with his wife and like how it was like maybe severely dysfunctional but he called that love you know yeah. the well, way who we, would tell them otherwise yeah well yeah exactly yeah <laughs> anybody anyone yeah yeah but it's just like one of those like commonly accepted things you know like the things that we accept and like don't accept um like i think I think a lot of people, even now in real time, believe like they the, like life is like not supposed to be fun or happy. <laughs> like I think we were talking about this recently. Yeah. How, like some people just think like no, it's weird to have fun all the time. <laughs> well, that's what it is. Like that's how you break like patterns, family changes and stuff yeah. because somebody decides. Well, I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah, and challenges that. Otherwise, yeah. you continue. What everyone's been doing. Like, Patrick, I think you might have had a different experience growing up, but I think it was a common thing in both our families we've discussed that, like, our parents would, like, be like, if we wanted to go out, like, two days in a row in a weekend, they'd be like, no, that's crazy. Oh. Like, like, why do you want to have fun again? You <laughs> had fun yesterday. Yeah. Like, there, there's a mess. Like, yeah. I can't relate to that. I can't remember a time that, that's been imposed And you on. have a home, yeah. so you can't, you shouldn't want to be anywhere else because yeah. you have a home. Yeah, sometimes it'd be like, you went out last week and like, what, what like, why two weekends in a row? Like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah you're out of your mind. Um, yeah, fairly common experience. I feel like maybe a lot of people can relate to that, which I think is like, what are those commonly accepted things of like, yeah, well, it's more normal to like not be happy all the time than it is to like experience like bliss yeah. or joy like often, you know? Right. <laughs> I think in general, okay, so I'm about to get really real and and say like, I'm not going to, I'm not stake, like taking a stand on like diagnosis or medication. Like I don't, I'm not professional in any way Mm -hmm. but I will you know speak from my own experience and saying like you know I've been to therapy you know on and off for Mm -hmm. you know different stages of my life Mm -hmm. for for different reasons Mm -hmm. and you know I recognize this therapy as being you know it can be helpful Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you know it's you know learning a lot of things about yourself and seeing things differently and it can be challenging when you come out of your session and not everybody reacts to starting your sentence with like, Oh, my therapist said, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. the stigma behind that is real. Like the reactions yeah. to that are, are not always like accepting or like they don't understand or also because you're challenging it, it's like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. You know? So that in itself, you're like, you're trying to like heal yourself, but you're also challenging things that are, you know, when you're talking about family or you're talking about status quo, you know, it's kind of the same thing. Mm, yeah. um, so I feel like, you know, doing that is it's something that when, so when you see yourself in movies like this, it's kind of like you feel like understood. Yeah. You feel seen. Yeah. And, and it can be in a different in different ways. You know, it doesn't have to be specifically as the Patrick character, or it can just be the various characters. And I like, think that's why I like how they're all so different, but they're all flawed, you know, yeah. which is how human beings are. Yeah. 
I like that therapy has become <laughs> less stigmatized. I'm kind of jealous when people are like, oh, I'm in therapy. I'm like, that's, wow. Well, I, <laughs> I wish. I really have tried not to be shy about it yeah. because I don't want it to be something that you can't talk about. Yeah. Like, I literally at work, I mean, fuck, we're in a pandemic. We're struggling. I mean, I'm going to tell you, like, I have some days that are really hard. And I go into work and I recognize how uh, my other coworkers are struggling. Like, mm -hmm. they're stressed. And so... I literally like, do you, I'm like, Hey, you know, I did this in therapy and she gave me this video or like, um, she made me try this, like the strategy or maybe, you know, had me do this thing. I was like, maybe you want to try it too. And they'll come over and be like, Hey, I went to there and I actually told them what I wanted. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, cool. So it's like sharing that knowledge, mm -hmm. sharing that wealth. Like you think people could do whatever they want with it, but like to not make it feel like it's something negative. Like it's yeah. just mm -hmm. part of conversation yeah. instead of the opposite, which would be to like gossip, mm -hmm. which is not helpful. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about something that could be helpful and it could be just as easily a conversation than something that's just like going to bring somebody down. Mm -hmm. right. So I feel like normalizing something that's more productive and more helpful and challenges people to grow yeah. in a, in a way that seems casual versus like, I'm not lecturing anybody or trying to always I don't think of myself as better. I'm just saying like, I'm struggling just like you right, kind of thing, right. you know? Yeah. If it's something that could help somebody and they wouldn't seek it because of what people might think of them. Right. Like that's, yeah, that's terrible. Like it would be nice that if those barriers would, would come down a little bit, that social stigma. Yeah. I talk to friends now and like I said, they'll talk to me about having therapy and they'll seem like embarrassed or like they'll accidentally like s let it slip that they're in therapy and they'll feel like weird yeah. about it, like they said something <laughs> wrong. I'm like, oh no, like I think that's great. Yeah. Like I wish I, like I'm trying to get into therapy. But <laughs> well, yeah. that's totally reasonable, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like um, you want to be careful with like who has that information because that can hurt you, you know, like yeah. especially in certain professions. Like oh yeah, definitely. find out that you're in therapy or, yeah. you oh. know, like. It's, I would think it, it would be, be the opposite. I'd be like, oh shit, that makes sense. Well, like I, I think <laughs> it's some jobs people might take it as a liability where you're like unstable or something. Right. <gasps> right. Yeah. So like um, uh, I was reading uh, Fear and Loathing on the campaign trail. Um, one of the candidates in the 72 presidential um, election, the vice president, it came out that, uh, it was, um, it was George McGovern's vice presidential candidate. It mm -hmm. came out that he was, um, uh, he went to a mental institution like two or three times. Mm -hmm. And so that like pretty much torpedoed his campaign, like not only the vice president, but it, it torpedoed the presidential campaign too. Mm -hmm. So there's a, you know, a long history of, of this, of, like stigma and, um, people that really that, breaks my heart. That fear, <laughs> that fear of like letting people find out that yeah. you have a mental health diagnosis or struggle mm -hmm. or go to therapy. That's, that's a reasonable response. You know? Yeah. You want to be careful with like, who has that information about? Yeah. You? It counts as you against know? you in some mm -hmm. jobs. I think even still, I mean, I think yeah. especially in like law enforcement and stuff like that, which is oh, like, yeah. Completely like what the like yeah. really like, those are the, the people opposite. you want to be right. like well, getting in, worked in, on. <laughs> in my in my work, I see um, job postings for police officers. I work for a city, and um, you know our our city hires police officers. And um, in the job postings for it, it describes the background check process, mm -hmm. and it includes like, have you ever smoked weed? You know, yeah, it's like a disqualifying factor. Like if you've even ever smoked weed. Yeah, it's like all like these things that like. Yeah, I feel like most people growing up try, at least try it. And yeah. I heard actually, I talked to somebody in in recruitment, and they were like, if they answer no on that, they're immediately suspect. You know, it's kind of like a litmus test. If you answer uh, yes, you'll it doesn't automatically disqualify you, but mm. if you answer no, then they start asking more questions about. Yeah, that. it's like it's a very yeah. Well, I'm here to challenge that and mm -hmm. say that you can. You should be able to speak on that. If it's what, like about smoking weed? No. <laughs> well, sure. I recommend it. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I, mean, I'm like, I felt like I'm second guessing, like saying this here now. Like, uh, you don't know who I am. Forget it. Forget <laughs> that you know me. No, um, but it, it makes um, it makes sense why people um, are 
hesitant, hesitant to share. Right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, I think yeah. that tide is turning. Like, I think there's like a, a oh, shift. Oh, yeah, for sure. It is, for sure. It, is, it is changing. I think it's a good change. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. essentially, like, I feel like it's it just helps you grow. Like, why wouldn't you want somebody on your staff that wants to be a better version of themselves yeah. and yeah. always yeah. growing and helping other people well, with that information yeah it's just that stigma that never dies i think they talk about this in Mad Men a lot you know how like how betty wants to go to therapy oh and and don's just like well, your these your kids this oh, house God, like we're talking about Mad like, you don't look you, you don't look like an unhappy person to me which is like yeah. just like the most frustrating <laughs> thing i mean no of course i relate in it being you know a stigma it's hard i mean yeah. i'm saying this now because i want to be this way but in my mind, when I speak to myself, am I being this nice? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. You're like your own bully. <laughs> like, I can't believe you just told him that. Yeah. Um, You're just yeah. beating up yourself, sticking your head in the toilet. Out the window, <laughs> shouting at What are those videos that you... You, you find on YouTube. Those are, I think those therapy are really helpful. Therapy in a nutshell. Therapy. They're fantastic. Yeah, I think that's Shout a, out to therapy in a nutshell. I think that's you a great resource. You teach me so much. Yeah. <laughs> and it's on YouTube? Yeah, it's, it's on, on YouTube. YouTube. Oh, okay. I would recommend that to anyone. Those are, yeah. videos are great. My therapist recommended them to me. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, we can wrap this up. Um, Roxy. Yes. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Roxy. You're welcome. We're this not going to talk like about your, other your, uh, movies. To third talk time about on the oh, third time on the podcast. Yeah, now, Roxy. Th- yeah, we can talk about other movies. Yeah, we were going to talk about how bad other movies do it. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh right. The history of movies that did this the wrong way. Yes. Girl interrupted. We just rewatched that, and that movie was pretty awful. I think. I just like Winona Ryder and Angelina Jolie. Well, there's just so many people in that movie. I think that's why. There's a lot of people in it, and I think that role, in a way, became iconic and, like, fashionable. Like the, exactly. The Angelina like, Jolie you want to be the sad girl. Yeah, you like want to be, like, the crazy, out-of-control person. Yes. What year was that movie? It was... 90s, I right? I don't remember, Mid-90s. but I remember, like, being young and wanting to be the sad girl. I mean... It yeah. was only like two years ago that I stopped doing that. You but. wanted to be weird and have greasy hair and just be yeah. unpredictable. Yeah, of course. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. And what then, are some other movies that do it poorly? Like the, a poor representation? or? Well, she's, she, I think she brought up One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Yeah, Nest. which is... But is that one like... I don't think that one... Like, I think that one actually like does a pretty good job for the time. Like it makes it look... It's yeah, so for the time. tragic. It is yeah. really tragic. It's, I mean, I think uh, I'm not saying that's not realistic or yeah. can't be realistic, but when it's just that, I feel like it's it's almost like scare tactics. Like it's yeah. just almost. So uh, but in that movie, Jack Nicholson sad. seems like he was influenced by a movie like Girl Interrupted, <laughs> <laughs> and he went in there like, yeah, this is a good time. I mean, they legit get lobotomies there. Yeah, right. That's. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's telling to the time, but fuck, that's. Whoa, that's a lot. And yeah. Then, and then the other one that is a lot that I cannot watch, even though, like I said, I was really into being sad. It was Perks of Being a Wallflower, which mm. I read in high school and it was all about it. And the soundtrack yeah. is so good. And I love Ezra Miller, even though he's being awful. Just, I don't know what's going on with him. Getting yeah. into bar fights. Yeah, yeah. 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 multiple like, like, what is happening? women around. Like every week, yeah. it's what? just like, whoa. He's trying to take the whole island down. <laughs> <laughs> but that movie is so triggering. Like it's intense. Just like there's a lot that happens. That yeah, I read that book in high school freshman year, and I think that's like the reason I got into writing. Like I read that book, and I was like, I would love to like do this. That's the only thing I read is sad, sad stories. Like. <laughs> <laughs> when you guys brought up this topic about other other movies. That um, that broached this I- issue. Uh, the movie that came to mind. Well, actually, uh, um, Kim and I were talking about this. Uh, Kim, friend of the show, um, the movie Frank. Have you guys seen that? Um, Frank. Oh Frank, yeah, Michael yeah. What has been? Yeah, with the band. That's a spoiler, actually. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> um, that one is, is great because it kind of it it, um, it explores that kind of intersection between what we think of as like a mental health issue and, and creative genius. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times we, we either confuse the two or glorify mental health issues. Yeah. Or, you know, it's like, um, uh, that one, I highly recommend that movie that that's really, that's really a great one. But, and then it overlaps with like substance abuse slash, 
probably a lot of mental health conditions there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's been like a, a time tested thing that like art and like mental illness has been like strongly tied together and people have like glorified it or ignored it or excused it. I mean, just like in the case of like David O. Russell with this movie, like even though he's been an awful person, like people have defended him. Like Lily Tomlin's like, yeah, of course I would work with him. Like, uh, like that's part of his genius is that like, he's just like Mm, acting, acting the way this movie is like presented. You know what I mean? Like he's just in the tone of the movie or something like that. (laughs) And And I hadn't honestly, you know, I'm, I'm not as much of a, um, I, I just I'm not as knowledgeable about directors, and I didn't know that about David O. Russell that he was yeah. a, he, that he was a dick. And I was reading um, Jennifer Lawrence's interviews, um, kind of like post, you know, making this movie. Yeah, and there are hints, you know, that he's mm-hmm. a, a bit intense, yeah. a bit of an asshole. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, like that he's, you know, she's saying things like, you know. He just takes you so far out of your comfort zone, and that's why the performance is like that. Oh, now like I'm that. thinking of and, Joss yeah. Wheaton. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which is a shame. I know, Buffy. Right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. she she's trying to, like, punch it up into something positive. You yeah, know, for sure. Well, Amy Adams a positive experience. mentions Jennifer Lawrence by name in her interview when she's saying, like, she cried almost every day on the set of American Hustle. She's like, well, Jennifer Lawrence, she's like Teflon. Like, she just doesn't, like, yeah. internalize this stuff. Like, she just lets it bounce off of her. She's like, I'm not like that. She's like, for me, my life is more important than movies mm. um which that's is that's rough yeah which is like you know shitty thing is sad at the end but like it goes like hand in hand with this like the stuff that we glorify or accept or the stuff maybe that we even ignore for the sake of like something else i don't know like decorum or like just the comfort you know like you don't want to have uncomfortable conversations and yeah, stuff like that for sure yeah which like is this like this one <laughs> <laughs> yeah and we're not afraid of that um <laughs> But yeah, Roxy, thank you for having an uncomfortable conversation with us. Cool. Thanks Patrick for having me. is going to be gone for a few weeks, so uh, we won't be hearing from him for three, three weeks. Yeah, I'll be out in Minnesota canoeing the Boundary Waters. <laughs> having a good old time. <laughs> We're going to miss you. We'll miss see you, you next time. See you. Bye. Bye. There you go. That's our talk about Silver Linings Playbook. That'll tie up our run on political or politically adjacent films. Hope you enjoyed that. It was nice to experiment with that. So Patrick's going to be out for a few weeks. we got a lot of big stuff coming up. I mean, personally, not for the show, but the show will be fun, too. We decided to tie season one up with 30 episodes, so we got four more left for you before we tie it up and start working on the next season. Patrick's gone for three weeks. A month later, I'm going to Europe, and then a month after that, I'm starting my master's program. Busy thing, so we want to tie it up and get started on new stuff for you. But... I'm going to try to find people to talk about movies with me for these last four episodes since Patrick is gone. If you have any ideas, let me know. I want to talk about Kevin Smith movies. If you want to follow us on Instagram, you can do that at Film Slavery. That's F-I-L-M-S-L-O-B-B-E-R-Y. You can find us on Apple and Spotify Podcasts. Follow us there. Give us a rating. Leave a review. That would be cool. Music you're listening to now was written and recorded by Randy Flores. Thanks a lot, Randy, for doing that. We'll see you next time.